So the last couple of weeks and today, we've been looking at how to deal with how you feel in this Christmas season, and today we're going to look at how you deal with how you feel when you've lost your Christmas mojo. Now, I don't know about you, but this year has been one of those years that's been a little tough to get excited about things, and, and so for me, apart from the music today, well, the music today was outstanding. Liz, thank you so much for leading, and then the band was great and uh, just so good. Gary Wilson, fabulous today, my friend, just so good. He's over there. Y'all see him? Oh, he's great. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody was great. But for me, this, this Christmas season, I'm listening to this stuff on the radio, and, you know, the songs don't seem as snappy, and the food isn't making me as happy, and the Hallmark movies don't seem as sappy. I mean, really, and my lips are a little chappy. I mean, this year is just not, you know, the best Christmas ever. And so we're going to talk about how, what do you do when, you've li- when you lose your Christmas mojo? I heard about one grandmother, and she was one of those grandmothers that found specific gifts for every grandkid. And she would, you know, labor and go and shop, and, and it just was really getting, you know, she got older and it was getting harder. And so she decided that this year what she was going to do was she was going to send Christmas cards to all of her grandkids individually. And in the Christmas card, she was going to put a gift card for something. And so she, that was her plan, gift cards in the Christmas card. And she mailed them all out. Uh, she just forgot to put the gift card in there. And so when the kids opened the, the Christmas card, it said, Merry Christmas, buy your own gift. Uh, so that uh, wasn't quite as good. So Christmas is a lot of work. I don't know if you all know this, but at my house, we have boxes and boxes designated for Christmas decor. Y'all have that? So when you move, you have to you know, find a new place to store all the Christmas stuff. We got tons of boxes of Christmas stuff. And so... You set up a tree, and we got a tree stand for that because we have to get a natural tree because we like the smell, and we like all those needles on the floor. That's great. It really makes Christmas. You have a bunch of needles on the floor, and uh, you have lights and ornaments, and then you, uh, some of you I know make candy and cookies and fudge, and my mother used to make fudge, and so there's the uh, shopping for presents and the decorating for presents, and some of you have travel involved. There's a lot of moving parts at Christmas. And really, uh, what we're going to talk about today is, have we taken time to prepare? There's a lot of preparation that goes on. Have we prepared our hearts the right way for Christmas? Because really, preparation and Christmas go together. They always have. It always has. In fact, 700 years before Jesus was born, there's this verse that says, prepare the way for the Lord. It, It is part of Christmas is the preparation. So, Today we're going to look at a couple of verses from the book of Luke. Now, two places you find the narrative of Jesus' birth. One is in the book of Luke and one is in the book of Matthew in the New Testament. Now, Luke, um, he writes this kind of long uh, book. And first chapter and second chapter deal with the birth of two children. And you'd think that Jesus would be the first, but really he's not... Luke talks about a guy named John first. Kind of interesting to me. Now, there's a reason. In fact, he says, I myself have carefully investigated Luke, me. I have investigated everything from the beginning, and I decided to to write an orderly account. And what he was saying is, hey, there had to be a birth before the birth. There had to be preparation before the birth. 
Now, Luke writes this, and he talks about uh, he did careful investigation. Luke didn't eyewitness many of the things he writes about. He was more like an investigative reporter or like a biographer. And so many scholars, in fact, most scholars believe that when he writes about the birth narrative of Jesus, he had interviewed Mary. More, more than likely, he had interviewed Mary because Mary was really Mary and Joseph were the only ones there. And so, it's likely that when we read the book of Luke, chapter two, we're reading the accounts of the birth of Jesus from really from the thoughts and remembrance of Mary. It's really kind of interesting. Now, so why then? If Jesus is the central character of the New Testament, why then would, would Luke start by writing about a guy named John? Well, there's a reason, and it's an important reason. And again, long before Jesus ever came, um, there was a guy named Malachi, or if uh, I like to call him the Italian prophet, Malachi. And uh, Malachi writes, um, God saying, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before you. And that messenger was a guy named John. And John was named John for a specific reasons, but let's talk about let's talk about this just for a second. Four ways to get our hearts back in the right place for Christmas. Kind of how do we recapture our Christmas mojo? The first thing is we rediscover the blessing of giving. We rediscover the blessing of giving. Um Joe in Little Women, the book Little Women says Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without presents and We've sort of taken that as Americans and we've morphed that into something I don't think she meant. What she's talking about, I believe, and what the Bible talks about is there is a real genuine blessing to being a giver. It, it increases maybe your holiday spirit and your mood. And it's not in, in receiving gifts that we're, we're talking about. It's in giving gifts. And so let me, let me back up to, to John just for a second. So... John has a dad. His name is Zachariah. Zachariah was an older fellow. He was wor uh, working at the temple uh, by himself one time. And his wife's name is Elizabeth. And while Zachariah is working, an angel visits him, which, by the way, is always a scary proposition for anybody who encounters an angel. Every in angel angelic encounter seems to be quite frightful uh, for the person who has the encounter. So, Zechariah is a little bit scared. The angel says, hey, dude, you're going to have a baby. Zechariah is a little skeptical because he's old and his wife is old and like biologically too old. And, and so he, he sort of is a little bit skeptical. And the angel says, okay, because you don't believe, I'm going to cause you to be mute. Uh, ladies, this can happen. I mean, you should pray. Uh, you know, it's possible. And so Zechariah was mute. And he comes out of uh, worshiping God and, and doing his duties at the temple and, and all of a sudden he can't speak. And all of a sudden Elizabeth is pregnant and they have a, a baby boy. And on the eighth day they're about to name him. And this is where we find Luke talking about this. On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah. So it's going to be, you know, Zach Jr. is what they were going to call him. Uh, but his mother spoke up and said, no, 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 he's to be called John. And, and everybody's like, why are we going to call him John? There's, nobody even, there's not even a John in your family. 
And then they made a sign to the father because he's mute. And uh, they said, hey, hey, what do you want to name the child? And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. This is funny to me because it's like the woman who gave birth to this child doesn't get to name him, but the dad does. And so the dad, and what really is funny to me is, okay, so this angel has struck Zechariah mute <laughs> for, for nine months now. For nine months, he hasn't been able to say anything. I wonder if, if Zechariah was tempted to say, you know, his, his name is Roger. You know, I just kind of wonder, I was just like, but, but no, his name is John, and there is a specific reason he names him John. It's because the angel told him to. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard, your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John. And by golly, when it was time to name him, Zechariah remembered, and he called him John, and there's a specific reason for that. The name John means God is gracious. Now, we know the word grace. We use the word grace. We name kids grace. Grace means unmerited favor. I get something I don't deserve. It, it is how God treats us. Every breath, every moment is a matter of grace, and certainly salvation is grace. And we read about it in Scripture. For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith, not of your own self, not of works. It's a gift of God. And it's almost like Luke is saying, okay, we have to set the table for Jesus' birth. And we're going to set the table with a guy named John. And John's name means God, uh, God is gracious. And because God is gracious, then Jesus comes. It's really kind of important that God is the original giver at Christmas. If we want to recapture our Christmas mojo, we have to find somebody to give to and give. Now, it's just part of Jesus, in fact, said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so the idea is giving brings more blessing to the giver than the receiver. And it really is true. Uh, my, my dad helped me with this growing up. My father always had money in his, in his wallet. It's not that we were wealthy or anything. My dad was a truck driver. My mother worked as a teller in a bank. We, it's not like we were wealthy. But daddy always had money. And I saw him probably hundreds of times help people by giving them a little bit of money. I, I saw him do it over and over again. We uh, worked together, we started a muffler shop, and by we started a muffler shop, I mean dad started a muffler shop and I hung out there. And uh, so we were working together for years and years, about seven years together, and, and there would be friends of his who would come in and they'd hit hard times, and I saw him more times than I can remember help people financially. And, and there was something, he never talked to me about it, honestly. He never said, son, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to live life. He just showed me that that was a way to live. And, and the funny thing is, what I've learned about being a giver, and I'm thankful God has given me enough to give sometimes, is that you can't outgive God. And you'll give, and all of a sudden you'll be blessed. And that's just kind of how it works. And there's a real, it's almost, there's a, a, a symmetry to that. You give, and God gives to you. It's just kind of how it works. We live in a culture where we go and buy presents and then we drop the excess coins that we have in, in the kettle. By the way, from what I understand, they're suffering this year, uh, Salvation Army, because people don't have as, they're not going out shopping as much and change is scarce and so they're not getting as much. And so um, 
this is a message for today. We really don't want to, if you think about it, if you go to a place with a gift exchange like for Christmas, here's my thought process. Tell me if you, if you kind of resonate with this. If I get you something really good, I better not get a Dollar Tree mug in return. That's kind of how I'm thinking. If I get you the box set of CDs, of DVDs of Kentucky basketball, and you get me a Duke mug, we are not going to be friends. I mean, so uh, we, are, we sort of expect to be, you know, re-recompensed. Uh, we, we, we expect to get the same amount that we give. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about giving generously to somebody that can't give back to you. Jesus talked about it. He said, man, when you have a party, don't just invite people who are going to invite you back to their party. When you have a party, invite some people that can never invite you back. Bless people who can't bless you back. Because then you leave it to God to bless you back. And it's not always for thanks. I mean, it's nice to be thanked. You don't give to get thanked. I read a story about a postal worker. He noticed a letter. It kind of scrawling handwriting. It was to God. It had a return address. It was to God. It didn't have a stamp on it. And I guess he thought, well, it's to God. It's really, you don't know how to deliver this. So he opened it and he read it. And it was a little old lady that lived in the neighborhood. And she had lost, had been stolen $200 around Christmas time. And she was just saying, God, you know, my, my money's been stolen. I don't know what I'm going to do. And his heart was moved. And he went to his co-workers and they took up a collection. And they gathered $180, and they put it in an envelope, and he sent a courier with that so it would make sure it got there to her, and, and he got the money to this little lady. And a couple of days later, he sees in the mail, same guy, another scrawling little letter to God, and it's the same lady, and, and he thinks it's probably a thank you note. And sure enough, it was, and this is what she wrote. Dear God, thank you for the $180 that you sent for Christmas, which would have been very bleak without P.S., it was $20 short, but that was probably those thieving postal workers. Uh, so, um, it, it, uh, it doesn't always play out the way we think it's going to. Um, it's just like giving a child a gift. I mean, how many of us have given a child a gift and we think, oh, they're going to love the toy, and they end up playing with the box? I mean, it's like, I have a notion in my mind how this is going to go down, and it doesn't go down the way I think it's going to. That's okay. We, we give not to get back. We give because God is a giver. He, he shows us. In fact, the very first Christmas, God showed us what it was like to give. We give because that's what God did on the first Christmas. For God so loved the world, He, he gave. If you've not read the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan, I would say, I would put that on the top of my 2021 reading list. I know you all have a reading list, and you should put that book at the top if you've not read it before, Crazy Love. It's great. But in that book, he talks about the Robinson family. I believe they were from St. Louis, but don't quote me on that. But the Robinson family, there were five of them, mom, dad, three little kids, ten and under. And so for Christmas, what they do as a tradition is they make a lot of pancakes, and they brew an urn or two of coffee, and they put it all in the van, and they go downtown, and they get their little red wagon out and they pull the pancakes and the coffee around and they look for people who are homeless to give them a Christmas breakfast. 
when we bless people that can't bless us back, it is exactly what God has done for us. For God so loved the world, He gave. Because we couldn't do it ourselves. We needed Him to do it for us. So, if you want to recapture your Christmas mojo, if you want to get the Christmas spirit back, figure out somebody you can give to that can't give back to you. Help somebody that can't help you back. That's number one. Number two is think small. Now, what I mean is, let's think like children. Christmas, we, how many times have you heard? Christmas is for children. I love this quote by Irma Bombeck, by the way. There's nothing sadder in the world than to awake Christmas morning and not be a child. You know, I, I think that's true. Because children are so excited. And I mean, it's the one day of the year that we don't get too upset if they get up early because it's exciting for them. Sometimes we say Christmas is for children because it's as if we've gotten too old. And it's a shame when we get too old. Isaiah said a child will lead them. We need to look to kids. In fact, look, there was a, this story. Again, Luke talks about this. In Jesus' culture, it was important to have your child blessed by a rabbi. It's really, really important. And so they were bringing kids to Jesus to have him bless them. He writes about it. He says, one day some parents brought their little children, they would be pretty small, to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. And so Jesus, as a rabbi, would lay his hand on their head and he would pray a blessing on them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Um, They were basically, hey, Jesus is too important, he's too busy, he doesn't have time for this. And Jesus then called the children and said to the disciples, you talk about a public rebuke. Hey, he called the children back to himself, and then he talks to the disciples, and he says, let the children come to me, don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these kids. They're a role model for you. They're they're dependent, just like you are, and you might not remember, you might not realize it, or you might not think about it, but you're dependent. And uh, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. The thing about children being a role model, they are dependent. And there's a difference between being childlike and childish. I'm not talking about being childish, but what I like about kids is they realize they have a need and they, have, they need somebody to take care of them. And I don't always think that way. In fact, sometimes I forget that if I didn't have... God-given ability to even breathe. I mean, every moment, every breath, every day, every time together is a gift from God. Jesus said it this way. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus tells us that we are dependent on our Heavenly Father. When we sit down for a meal, we'll pray a blessing. Lord, thank you for this food. I don't pray a lot uh, when it's time to eat because I'm hungry. Uh, so it's usually, Lord, thank you for the food. But here's what happens sometimes. I'll forget, and I really that really, really bothers me. I'll forget to pray. And so then I'll, I'll pray, you know, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all is within me. You know, after I've already started, I kind of pray that. But it's important for us to remember that that God is the one who takes care of us. I heard about a little boy, and he was asked to give the Christmas prayer around the meal. And so, you know, kids are funny. And he, he gave the Christmas prayer, and it was, you know, 
hey God, thank you for mommy and daddy, and thank you for the turkey, and the, you know, thank you for the peas and the green beans, and take care of you know grandma and that kind of thing. And the end of the prayer, which is perfect, you know, Lord, take care of yourself because if if you something happens to you, we're all in trouble, you know. Uh, and and that's really true. If something happens to God, we're all in trouble. Th- thinking small is about remembering I'm dependent upon God. That it's really really important. But there's also the wonderment of, of I, I love kids being around kids because they they just are excited about stuff. They they notice things. I, I love that. My wife and uh, Elise, my daughter, they work back here with the kids, little kids. Um, they are just been just been potty trained, so they're pretty little, three or four years old. And those are the kids in their classroom. And every week. Miriam and Elise will tell me stories about something that those kids have said that, that just make them happy. I mean, there's just something about those kids. And last week, um, we had a little girl in there named Riley. She's just new into the class, and so she doesn't quite know how things work. And, and so they were telling the story, and Miriam asked the question, um, who knows uh, who God's son is? And, and Riley, <laughs> from what I understand, Riley screamed, uh, It's Jesus! Like really loud. Miriam said it was so loud that she, it kind of shocked her. And so she said, now Riley, we, my, my wife, y'all, she is the sweetest, most patient person. <laughs> Look, uh, she is really, really sweet and patient. And she's now Riley, we don't, we don't yell. And so Riley said, it's Jesus. Uh, it's like, it's still Jesus. It's, he answers Jesus if it's loud or not loud. And kids are, they just notice stuff and they, they see things. And I want to be that way. When I was driving in this morning uh, for, for church, um, uh, I know you all aren't this kind of people because you came to second service. But first service people, uh, uh, th- those of us who are having ambition in life. Anyway, we got up, I got up early, and I drove in, and the, the, the most gorgeous sunrise. I mean, it was like, oh my word, how does God do that with these colors? How does he do it? And, and then sunsets, and the other day I was at my, my house, and we kind of live out in the woods a little bit, and, and all of a sudden I was outside and I heard coyotes. I don't know what coyotes do, but they make a noise. They howl, scream. They don't scream. Um, somebody Google that. Anyway, uh, now everybody will be on their phone. Sorry, I didn't mean that. I'm just teasing. Um, these coyotes, I could hear them uh, in the distance, and the whole time I'm thinking, man, that's cool, and I'm scared. Uh, it's like there's wonderment out there. We just have to notice it. Do you know? I believe tonight, I don't, know, don't, don't quote me, uh, but I believe tonight there's a meteor shower. Is that right? Somebody know that? You know that? Gary Wilson, man, you are on it, man. Uh, uh, like a hundred shooting stars in an hour or something tonight. Come on, Gary. We were, we were working. Uh, all you got to do is agree with me. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. Thank you. Okay. Meteor shower tonight. I mean, good grief. Is it going to be cloudy? Does anybody know this? Let's just go out and look. I mean, God gives us all this stuff. He, he does it with generosity. The thing I love about kids is they hear a story like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They got thrown into the fiery furnace. And they're not so cynical that they don't believe that. We, we get older and we get cynical and we start to think, oh, how could that even happen? It's like, you know what? Jesus walked on the water. And the kids are like, he walked on the water? Awesome. And we're like, how could he walk on the water? I want to be, I want to be more dazzled and amazed. I want to be that way again. I want to believe again. When we talk about thinking small, 
talking about your dreams. I'm talking about, hey, let's recapture what it's like to look at life through the lens of a child. Because it's really important. I, I remember, man, I'm, I'm dependent on a God who's given me everything I have. And I'm not going to worry about this. I'm just going to pray because I have a Heavenly Father who knows what He's doing and He's in charge and He's going to take care of this. And I'm going to try to note the many, many times I see God's goodness all around. The third way for me and you to recapture that Christmas mojo is to not forget to say thank you. There's a guy named Paul. He writes most of the New Testament and he thanks God. He thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. He's talking about Jesus. When you encounter a kid who thanks you but isn't prompted, you know, sometimes we have to prompt our kids, and we've all done that. Hey, what do you say? But when a kid learns to say thank you without prompting, all of us say to ourselves, you know, uh, they had a parent that taught them that. And when we have this opportunity to say thank you to God, we need to take the opportunity to say thank you. So many opportunities out there. God has done so much for us. We just need to be more thankful. We, you might think, well, what do I have to be thankful for? Listen, I, I would think 90, 95% of the world's population would trade places with you tomorrow. One of, the, one of the beauties, one of the benefits of going on mission trips, not only does it help the people you go and serve, especially if you go to, to places that, are, um, uh, that don't have much, it not only helps the people that you're serving, but it helps you be reminded of how great you have it. I went to Kingisep, Russia one time, right after uh, they had uh, gotten out of communism. So they weren't communists, but they weren't quite anything else, and they kind of didn't know what was going on, and it was a little bit wonky. And I went to work at... <laughs> I, was a, I was on a medical mission team. By the way, I didn't tell the first services, but I remember this. Uh, in my team, there was a dentist and a, and a doctor. And the dentist was talking about working in a place where one of the ways they, they uh, took infection out of people's mouths was they put leeches on them. You live in America. This is different than that. Anyway, I'm in Kingisep, Russia. I'm working at a hospital with a doctor who is about 80 years old. He's a super great guy. But he's writing prescriptions, and my job was to be the pharmacist. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I killed me some Russians. I mean, I, there's no telling what I gave them. It's like, I don't know what he's saying. I'm just gonna... Or my translator knew about 17 words of English. And so I would say to him, Daniel, uh, I need you to tell her to take three of these four times a day. And he would say, yes. It's like, no, no. Uh, I don't need you to say yes. I need you to tell her. And, and I have no idea what happened with that. But I do know this. I went to the hospital bathroom. It's a hospital. It's a bathroom. It smelled like gasoline, and it was worse than any service station gasoline I've ever been to. The whole time I'm thinking to myself, Lord, please don't let me get hurt. Lord, please don't let me get hurt. Because we, we don't even think that way. We, we, our, if you've never seen it, I remember driving up to the church. The church was just a house at two stories. They worshipped on the top floor. The bottom floor, they, I think that's where the preacher lived, and they had a little uh, place to eat. You know, it's kind of cool. And we had borscht. You know what that is? Uh, beet soup. It was great. Anyway, um, I, I, we drove up, and, and I, I'll admit it, I kind of snickered because they had an outhouse that was leaning. It just kind of made me giggle. It's like, they have an outhouse. It's like, it's like being back home. Uh, you know, it's like being in Kentucky. Anyway, they had an outhouse and it was leaning and I was giggling about it. On, on Monday, uh, 
my first task before I went to work at the hospital uh, was to build a new outhouse. Uh, it was great. So the Lord is funny that way. Anyway, what we were doing is we were notching logs, like Lincoln logs, just big, big, and we were notching them to make a new outhouse. And I was using an electric chainsaw. The chain was about to come off. And the preacher had a scar from his eye to his mouth. And I said, dude, how'd you do that? He said, it was that chainsaw. It's like, oh my, ah! And then I went to the hospital. It's like, oh my word. We have so much to be thankful for. Sometimes we, all right, I'm going to give you an exercise. We're going to work on it right here together, okay? Let's say, let's say, for example, you burn the Christmas turkey. All right? I'm going to give you what you can do. This, I want you to think about this differently. Now, our natural inclination is, oh, I've ruined the meal. No, no. I'm going to give you some positives. Positive number one, salmonella will not be an issue today. I mean, that's good, all right? Number two, you pass this off as Cajun black and turkey. You act like you meant to do it, all right? You can play that. Um, your, your bean casserole will probably have a new appreciation. People are going to be rushing to that. Um, Pets won't pester you for scraps. That's a positive. Um, smoke alarm needed a test anyway. I mean, that's a positive, right? Uh, the guys can use it as a football uh, after the meal. That's a positive. Um, and you get to the desserts quicker. Uh, all positive. So it's all how you think about it. You have to think about it the right way. But we have to, if we're going to recapture the Christmas mojo, we have to think about being thankful. Last one. Turn the lights on. Turn the lights on. Um, Elise is 14. She lives at my house. She's my daughter. And um, we've just moved there, and we've got a million things that are still needing to be done. And Elise the other day said, hey, Daddy, can we put up Christmas lights? It's like, it's like we've got so much to do. And here's what her dad said. Yes. Sure. I'd love to put up Christmas lights. Inside, I'm like, I don't want to put up Christmas lights. Here, she's 14. You know how much longer I have her at my house? Three or four years. If Elise wants to put up Christmas lights, we put up Christmas lights. And we couldn't do it like we normally do. I have a video of what we did. It's okay. I mean, it's all right. See us walking there? That's a... We'll try a little harder next year. Anyway... She, she, she taught me into doing those lights. She didn't really have to talk me into it. She just mentioned it. I'm so glad she did. Every time we drive up at night now, there's lights at our house. And, and the Bible talks about lights. And everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world. And every time we have light, 
In a dark world, we're reminded of what Jesus did for us. You're to be children of God in a dark world, full of crooked and perverse people. Let your lives shine brightly before them. And then Jesus said, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Perhaps no time better than Christmas, we have this opportunity to shine our light. We give just because God gave to us. We are thankful because God continues to give to us. We think small, we capture, recapture the moment of wonderment because God is so good to us. Christmas is our time to shine. I'm thankful, so very thankful, that she said, Hey, Daddy, let's put up some lights. I didn't want to do it, I'm just be honest with you, but it didn't take that long, and I'm glad I did it. I'm glad we did it. I put her on the roof. It was great. Uh, it's like I put her on the roof. She put all those little stupid little things in. You know, it's like uh, it's a lot of it's a pain in the neck, and it's worth it. It's sad when we don't get excited about Christmas. Look, when it talks about, let me go back. When it talks about, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When when it talks about that, we are reminded. Of what God's done for us. Think about it. He gives us peace. Who doesn't need some peace? We're living in the most chaotic time I can remember. It's not the most chaotic time in in our country's history or anything like that. It's just the most chaotic time I remember. I know in the 60s it was rough. I know it's been rough before. I know. I, I, I read some place this week. Can you imagine what it was like in 1941 at Christmas after Pearl Harbor had just been bombed? Can you imagine what that was like? Pearl Harbor had just been bombed. You don't know what's going to happen to you as an American. You don't know who, where they're coming next. You're about to get into a war that you didn't really want to be in. I mean, I, I bet that was a chaotic time too. In the midst of this, we have peace. We also have purpose. God not only gives me peace in difficult times and in chaotic times, He also gives me purpose. I have a, a purpose for my life. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. He gives us peace and purpose. And then He gives us a promise of eternity with Him. I mean, it's a package deal. The three Ps, man, it's good stuff. Purpose, peace, and promise. It's all good. And at Christmas, we're reminded of these gifts that He gives us. We're reminded that we are to be a light. And one last verse. Worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you're asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. I've got peace and I've got purpose and I've got a promise. You don't have to be a theologian to say, hey, these are the three things I know that Jesus has done for me. You want to capture your Christmas mojo? You give to somebody that can't give back to you. You are thankful Every time you think about it and you ask God, remind me to be more and more thankful. You capture the wonderment of all that God is doing around you. And you let your light shine. You be vocal in your belief in Christ. You'll have a good Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you. This is an opportunity for us today to be reminded of all that you've done for us. Your goodness is overwhelming to us and nothing is better than your Son that you gave so that we might have eternal life. Thank you for these reminders today. We ask it and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.